the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit from God, Amen. What we have just heard is one of the very big miracles of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of three of raising up people from the dead. He is the resurrection. That's why he didn't just tell us that he will resurrect from the dead. He didn't just promise us that we will resurrect from the dead. But he showed his power over death when he was alive on earth by raising up three of the dead. We can consider, we can consider this one, the middle one out of the three, as far as how powerful is the miracle. The first one was the raising up of the daughter of Jairus. And this was, has just been dead, to the point that the people weren't sure if she was dead or not. This, this young man who was taken to be buried, he was dead, he was put in his coffin, and he was taken to be buried. And Jesus raised him from the dead. And definitely the biggest among the three is the, the, the raising up of the dead from, for Lazarus, who was dead for four days. What I'm going to focus on today, it always touches me, that how does Jesus make the miracles? I mean, when we talk about a miracle, it's an amazing story. It's a supernatural story. It's something that amazes people. Something that's very unusual. And people like to see the unusual thing. Have you watched the video of how someone is studying? Do you watch a video like that? Do you watch something that is not normal? How someone is able to solve hundred questions of math in five minutes? Yeah, you want to watch this. How he's doing that. He's a, if he's a young person, he's a prodigy. He's a, I mean, very clever, very smart young kid. So you watch the, the unnatural, the, 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 the supernatural. For Jesus, for our Lord Jesus Christ, the miracle is not something to amaze people, to astonish them, to stun them, to make them be startled. No, no. It was compassion. It was compassion. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. So the miracle is not just an amazing act of a powerful man. Definitely he's not just man, he's God incarnate. But I'm saying it's not just an amazing act of a certain man lived on earth at a certain point of time. But it was compassion. Even with, we see this on the miracle of raising up Lazarus. I mean, he cried, he wept. Jesus wept. Even though he, he, he knew that he's, this man who was dead, 
is going to be raised up from the dead in a few minutes. He's going to call him and say, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. He will come out of the tomb. However, it wasn't just an amazing action. He wanted to tell people, watch, watch, what did I do? It wasn't like that. It was compassion. He was identifying with the pains of humanity. He was identifying with the, the, the suffering and the defeat we had because of death and sin. And he came, to, came in our human nature to, to uh, take us from that miserable state and give us the glory of heaven. Uh, before getting in talking about compassion, that's why St. Cyril of Alexandria, he was talking and, and commenting in, in this, on this uh, passage and on this miracle. He said, why did Jesus have to touch the coffin? How, why did he do that? Why? He didn't just say the, the, to the young man, raise up from the dead. He did that to Lazarus. But why here he touched the coffin? Why did he do that? St. Cyril is saying, because he wanted to show that the human, the human nature, which became united with the divine person, the Son of God, was able, by his touch, to grant resurrection. To grant resurrection. However, when God came into our humanity, he came to identify with us, to have compassion on us. I mean, I searched when it was said that Jesus had compassion. It was mentioned many times, but I'm, I picked four places where this compassion was mentioned from Christ. And I'm going to give on each one of those an application. I think the more we understand how compassionate is God toward us, this should instigate, this should urge a certain reaction that we need to apply in our lives. So four things and four applications. The first of them, when Jesus, and when Jesus, that's Matthew 14, and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them. He was moved. Jesus wasn't coming just to finish a certain mission, and that's it. He's going to do it perfectly and powerfully. It wasn't like that. He was coming to be with us. Again, to identify with our pains. That's why, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. So the first thing is healing. Not just for the bodies. That's why in the litany of the sick, we pray for the sick and for their healing from their bodily diseases. However, at the end of the, the litany we say, you are the true physician of our souls and our bodies. Oh, you are the true physician. Heal our bodies and our souls. So we are concerned more than the healing of the body. We are concerned with the healing of the soul from the most dangerous disease, the deadly, the deadliest disease. What is the deadliest disease? Sin. The deadliest disease is sin. That's why he came as a healer. 
especially the, the, the Eastern Church Fathers, usually they looked at salvation as a healing. They looked at human nature as, as someone who contracted, who contracted a certain deadly disease, who needs a healing. And Jesus came and did that healing by taking our human nature and fix it. He is the one who created in the beginning. And he is the one who can fix it when it become or when it became distorted. So healing. Okay. If we see the healing of God out of compassion, what what this should instigate as a reaction, as an application we need to live with. I think we need to confess that we are sick. We are all sick by sin. And how, what should we do? If he came and he had compassion of, on our sickness, we should tell him, please, you are the true physician. I am sick. And I confess my sins. I confess that I am sick with sin. And I need healing. It's not just forgiveness. But I need the sin to be uprooted from our nature, from the inside. I mean, someone is watching bad stuff. Okay? It's not just to keep himself out of that bad stuff. It's a good step. It's a good step. However, it's not purity. It's not sanctification. Purity, real purity is that even the willingness, even the attempt, even the attraction to such sin is taken away from the heart. We, became, we become disgusted by that stuff. Not just trying to stay away from it, but it's more that we, we don't even want it, we don't even like it. That's the healing. That's why the more we see him as a healer, we see ourselves as sick with sin who need to confess their sins humbly, asking for his intervention. And he will never, he will never relent or hesitate to come to us. So the first thing on his compassion is healing. And, and it should instigate com- confession. The second thing, he's our rest. In St. Matthew as well, the Gospel of St. Matthew, 11. He is our rest. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He is our rest. We say that in, in the litany of the gospel. For you are... The, the, the life of our soul, the salvation of our soul, the hope of our soul, the healing of our soul, the, the, the resurrection of our soul. He is our rest. And in the, by the way, also in the, the, the litany of the sick, we say, grant them rest, grant them refreshment. Grant the, the sick rest. And He is our rest. That's why, what should we do if we know that? Whenever we are heavy laden, whenever we are, we, we are burdened, have you ever felt burdened? Have you ever? Have you ever? I think it's a joke. We are all having burdens. 
We are living in constant burdens. We are living in continuing, enduring burdens. What should we do? We go to him. There is a, a, a Chinese, Chinese parable that is taught by their teachers. And the parable says that uh, a widow, her only son died. It's very similar to this. And she was grieving and she wasn't comforted by any means. She has no comfort by any means. So she went to a great philosopher. And she asked him, what can I do? I am not comforted. I cannot have any comfort because of the death of my son. What can I do? What should I do? He told her, you know what? I'll give you your son back. You should do one thing. Get me some mustard seeds. But you should get them from a house where there has never been sorrow. So I will give you back your son. But you should go and find mustard seeds from a place or from a house where there has never been sorrow. She liked what he said. I mean, this gives her hope that she can restore her son back. And she went and knocked on every house and every door. And she asked, do you have, do you have mustard seed, but firstly, have you ever had sorrow? But what, what do you expect the answer was? Yes, definitely. From door to door, from house to house. And every house, the parable is saying that in every house, there was sorrow. Some, they, in every house, there was someone loved who was lost, who was dead. And when she didn't find, she came back and she learned the lesson. That we are all grieving. We are all having our heavy burdens. And Jesus came to be our rest. He himself. It's not that he's going to take out our burdens. He's going to take them from them. They will be there, but he will hold them with us. That's why he didn't say... You will not have a yoke. He said, you, for my yoke is easy. Uh, before that, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take. You will take a yoke. You will, we will take up the cross. He didn't promise that he will make, a, make us immune in this world from pains and sufferings. He didn't promise that. He never promised that. And when he came, he didn't make himself immune from sufferings. However, what he does is that he took the sufferings and he gave us the, the grace that he will take up our sufferings with him if we accepted the cross. So, what, what this thought should instigate in us? I think prayer. Whenever we are feeling burdened, we go to him and we tell him, you are the one who bore the cross and you can bear with us our crosses the third thing in the gospel again of St. Matthew I don't know why most of the, the verses came out from St. Matthew but that's how it is uh, he is the shepherd in, in Matthew chapter 9 
But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Like sheep having no shepherd. He came to be the... To be the... Yes, I need to hear it. The good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. He came to be the good shepherd. He came to lead us. To lead our way. To lead our way. If he is the shepherd, when he talked about himself, when he depicted himself as the shepherd, the good shepherd, he said, the sheep, the good sheep, they listen to the voice and they know the voice of their shepherd. By the way, this is when you... you haven't seen, I don't think many of you have seen that. I mean, when you see a flock of sheep, I've seen this, when you go to a a rural area in Egypt, I haven't seen it here, but in Egypt, and and it's written in many books, like in in the the East in general, in Palestine and, and in Israel, you can see a shepherd leading the, 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 the sheep, or sometimes the sheep are going, and they know their way, their way, and the shepherd is behind them. So whether he's up front or in the back, but they are following him. I mean, if you find them start to scatter or, or get astray, he just would knock with his with the, with uh, staff on the, the 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 floor or the ground. I mean, they will come back. They will come back. They know his voice. They know his instructions. I think if he is our shepherd, and we are his sheep, we should listen to his voice. We should listen to his voice. I mean, in heaven, the redeemed ones, the redeemed ones that are given a number, it's, it's a symbolic number of all people in all generations who are redeemed. It was said about them that one, they learned to, to sing a song that no one learned to sing it. Which language? English, Arabic, Coptic, Chinese, Mandarin. It's the language of love. And when St. John in the Revelation goes on to say who are they, what they were doing, one of the things they were doing, that they followed the Lamb. They followed Jesus wherever he goes. Even if he led them to sufferings. But he was their shepherd, taking care of them even within their, their, their sufferings. I like what uh, the Sotokaya, the Sotokaya is a praise for, for St. Mary. But it's not just about St. Mary, but it talks about her as the mother of God. So the, the God should be mentioned on them. So Theotokia is coming from Theotokos, the mother of God. And in the, every day has a Theotokia. In Monday's Theotokia, there is something very nice about God's compassion. So it says, Rejoice and be happy, O human race. For God so revealed His love to the world, that He gave His beloved Son for those who believe in Him, so that they may live forever. 
think this is the same meaning of the verse, the known verse of John 3.16. God so loved the word that he gave his only begotten son. But then he goes on to say, that Theotokia goes on to say, For he was overcome by his passion, or by his mercy. He was overcome. Actually, the English here it says he has overcome, but it should be he was overcome. The Arabic is, is passive voice. He was overcome. Ghuliba. He was overcome by his mercy and sent unto us his almighty arm. The almighty arm is the son. So the father was overcome. I want you to think of the, the image as if, as if, this is not right, that's it's an, an imagery. That as if there was a conflict inside the father. Should I leave my people? Should I leave my children? And then his compassion defeated him, overwhelmed him. Again, there is no such conflict in God. There is no such conflict. He is compassionate, fully compassionate. But I'm saying that, that the way this verse is written in the Theotokia, that he was overcome by his compassion, by his mercy, and sent his only begotten son. Jesus came to be our shepherd. To take up our heavy burdens. The last thing. Sympathize. I started by confession and our sins. And then as we go. And we meditate in God's compassion. I think we need to sympathize with others. And this is the last one. The last one from Hebrews chapter 4. Not St. Matthew. Seeing then that he, we have a great high priest. Who is the great high priest? There were high priests in the Old Testament. But they were high priests. Many. Because they were dying. But who is the great? Capital G. Who is the great high priest? Who is the great high priest? Jesus Christ himself is the great high priest. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Who has passed through the heavens. Just the son, Jesus the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Our confession that he is the Lord and the Savior. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Our high priest can sympathize with our weaknesses. He sympathizes with our pains. I mean, he is close to us. He is Emmanuel in our midst, in, among us. He came, he became Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is with us. He understands how weak we are. Sometimes we feel we are so weak. We cannot defeat sin. We are overwhelmed by our even daily activities, daily tasks. We are, we are defeated by sin. We are not get rid of our old habits, bad habits. We are not able to get of our anger, unforgiveness. Resentment, hatred, lust. We are not able to get rid of any of that. These are all weaknesses. What should we do? We go to him. And he will sympathize with us. But I think, if we understand and we seek here sympathy, we should sympathize with others as well. So we, if we started by confessing our sins, we should also be able to forgive others. And bear with them in their weaknesses. I hope you remember this, that 
God is compassionate. Mean He is one, He is the healer. He, he is healing us. And if He is healing us, we need to confess our sins as sick by sin. Number two, He is our rest. And because He is our rest, we ask for Him to be in our lives through prayers. Number three, He is our shepherd, the good shepherd. And we need to heed his voice, listen to his voice and follow him. Number four, you remember number four? Sympathy. Sympathy. And if he sympathizes with us, we need to sympathize with others. And glory be to God forever.